0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we praise and we thank Allah Azza wa Jal As we continue on our journey seeking knowledge for His sake As Rasulullah sallallahu he said مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَهَّلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِهِ طَرِيقًا إِلَى Whosoever trades a path seeking knowledge Allah will make His pathway to Jannah easy because of that So this is what we are seeking bi idnillahi taala, And We are currently studying one of the most important chapters of the Deen, which is about our Salah, the Fiqh of Salah. And we have completed last week the chapter of Masajid, the chapter of Masajid, and before that we did the chapter of Khushu' in Salah. Tonight we move on to the next chapter, which is a very, very important chapter for each and every Muslim. And that is Babu Sifatul Salah. The chapter which deals with the description of salah, the description of salah, meaning how salah is to be done according to speech and action. What are we supposed to say in the salah and how we are supposed to pray the salah, how we are supposed to fulfill the salah. Babu means
1: description.
0: No, Bab means a chapter. Bab means a chapter. Sifa is a description or characteristic. Understand? Like we say, a Sifa of Allah, the Sifat. One Sifa meaning Sifat. Right? A Sifa of the Salah is a description of the Salah. So,
1: Bab is also a
0: door. Bab is also door, yes. Yeah. But the way the Ulama use it in this, in this context refers to a chapter. Okay? Um, and we find that the Ulama, they wrote books on this. Sifatul Salah to the Alaihi Wasallam. Like the great Sheikh Alama Al Albani, rahimahullah, famous book amongst in today's time, he wrote a book on the description of the Prophet's prayer, right? And other ulama as well wrote books on the similar topic. Some ulama, many ulama, rather wrote books on the Sifatul Hajj, the description of Hajj. Some wrote on Sifatul Siyam, description of fasting, and so forth, right? And what we get from this is that Salah has a description. It has a way that it must be fulfilled. And that way as we know as Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah is, or that way can only be known, how? By knowing how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made that salah. Right, and this is how we worship Allah. The way that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam worshipped him, and the way that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam instructed us to worship him. And as we've said before, we say many times, and we say it over and over. As a reminder for us that every act of worship has two conditions before it can be accepted. Every act of worship. And those two conditions are al-ikhlasu lillahi ta'ala. The first condition is sincerity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawhidullah. That this worship is done to please Allah alone, for the sake of Allah alone. And of course it is directed to Allah alone. So there's no major shirk and there's no... Minor shirk involved. No major shirk meaning you are not worshipping other than Allah, and no minor shirk meaning there's no showing uf in the salah or any act of worship for that matter. It is sincerely for the sake of Allah, it's purely for the sake of Allah. It's ikhlas and tawheed, free from any type of major or minor shirk. The second condition for worship is what's the second condition? If the worship has tawheed and ikhlas, that's point number one.
1: Yeah.
0: No. Nope. That's not conditions. The wor- the worship must fulfill two things. Haya?
1: <inaudible> 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 <inaudible>
0: nope. We're not talking about salah. We're talking about worship in general. Any worship. Nope. We don't know if Allah will accept. We hope that Allah will accept. Something else I'm looking for before you can fulfill that act of worship or as you are fulfilling that act of worship it has to have ikhlas and what's the second thing the second condition for this act of worship to be accepted if it's not in accordance with this act this uh, this condition that worship can be rejected in fact it may be rejected sorry your intention is ikhlas Intention is, your intention is your sincerity. So that is in, that's the first point. Your niyah, your ikhlas, your tawheed, that's all the same thing basically. Right? Why are you doing this worship? For the sake of Allah. That's ikhlas, that's your niyah. What's the second condition for worship? When you fast, you make salah, you make hajj, you make umrah. What's the second condition? It's just the
1: that's just
0: Tawheed is number one. Don't get ya is number one. What's number two? What else does your worship require? What about the action? How is the action to be done? What was that? Sincerely is ikhlas. Sincerely is ikhlas. Ikhlas means sincerity. What was that? What did you say there's you know? the answer khalid gave the answer according to the sunnah the act of worship must be done according to the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. we cannot worship allah in any other way the two conditions for worship in general any act of worship salah hajj fasting zakah you name it there are two conditions if any of those conditions are not there or are not met this act of worship is not and void. Number one is ikhlas or tawheed or sincerity or the niyyah. It's all the same thing. Right? For the sake of Allah. To please Allah. Worshipping Allah alone. That's point number one. Point number two is once you are sincere in your ibadah, that ibadah now needs to be done according to the sunnah. Is this understood? If it's not according to the sunnah, then it can be bid'ah. And a bid'ah is rejected. As the Prophet said, Man ahdata fi amrna, هذا ما ليس منه أهو رد. Whomsoever introduces anything into this deen of ours, that which is not from it, then that action is rejected. Understand? It's rejected, it's not accepted. So we say the sunnah must be followed. When we make salah, you cannot make salah in any way, as you please. You must make salah according to the, the sunnah. As Best as you can, understand. طيب. So, to Salah, we are studying the description of Salah from who? The teachings of Muhammad. So, we need to fulfill this, this part, this condition as well, when it comes to the most important of ibadat, and that is Salah to, to follow the Sunnah in our Salah, to pray as He prayed. To pray as close to the way that he prayed as possible. This is our aim. This is our goal. Right? Inshallah. And this can never be done. Except after we learn and study. How did he do it? How did he pray? How did he, what did he recite? How did he stand? How did he bow? And so forth. Right? Knowledge comes first. Then the action. Understand? Knowledge, then action. Um and this is you know the instruction of Allah رَسُولِ Rasulillahi أُسْوَةٌ Hasana. Allah says and certainly indeed for you is in with regards to Rasulullah is a perfect example. For you in the Prophet you will find the perfect and the best of examples for those of you, of you who are seeking the Akhirah. Those of you rather who are seeking Allah. And the last day. For you, you will find the perfect example in the Prophet. ﷺ. In every, and this is general. When it comes to his interactions, when it comes to his character, when it comes to his his etiquette in the home, when it comes to his worship. He's the perfect example. And Rasulullah said in a hadith in Sahih Bukhari: Sallu kama raaitumuni usalli. The Prophet said in an authentic hadith, Pray the way that you have seen me praying. Pray the way that you see me pray. Or the way that you saw me pray. Understand? Clear hadith. Sallu pray. Or make salah. Kama ra'aytumuni usalli. The same way that you saw me praying. Or the same way that I prayed. Either translation it means the same thing, inshallah. As you saw me praying right the hadith is in bukhari and that's a clear cut hadith that you should make salah how the way that you saw me making salah this is telling the sahaba and as we know the sahaba would then narrate it to the to their students and they narrate it to their students and the books of hadith were formed and all of these teachings alhamdulillah has been preserved nothing has been left out of the of the of the deen Alhamdulillah. so The author, rahimahullah, he starts off with the hadith. And I think next week, maybe the best thing to do is to try and print out the hadith again. Let's try and print out the hadith again. So you have the hadith in front of you. And as we study, you can make some notes or write on the hadith. Or, you know, that you have it with you. And especially when we come to certain hadith that might mention adhkar, it might mention what he said in the sujood and, or oh, I may add something on from my side. It's not just lost, it's not just somewhere in the recording, you know, in the middle of 50 other recordings on the chapter of salah, for example. At least you have a note of it, you can go back to it, you can memorize it from there, you have something to revise from and so forth. Because this should be the intent from, you know, from sitting every week in a class. The intent shouldn't be that it's in and out that we only remember one point or two points from the class, if you can make notes on certain points, and you carry at least, you know, a a considerable uh, amount of that knowledge, then inshallah, a lot has been gained. And, you know, that should be the intent. When studying and when (laughs) listening to lectures and so forth, bi So, the first hadith is narrated by Abu Hurairah, radiallahu anhu, Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the Prophet fa asbihil When you stand up for salah, then you should perfect your wudu. Now, before we go into the hadith, Ibn Uthaymi rahimahullah he explains and he says that Ibn Hajar, who is the author of the book, he summarized, or should I say, he left out a part of the hadith. Because as we explained in the first lesson of Buloohul Maram, the book is a, it's not a detailed book, it's a concise book and many ahadith are shortened or only given parts of the hadith because he only means to give you the point of the hadith, not the whole lengthy hadith or the story behind the hadith and so forth. But sometimes there are certain ahadith, as Ibn Uthaymin has explained, that we've been through and that we will be through and like this one here, where It would have maybe been better if Ibn Hajar gave the Hadith in full. Because that which he left out there was great benefit in it. There there may have been great benefit in some of them. And this is one example that the Sheikh mentions. And so he explains the background or basically the beginning part of the Hadith. So if you found al Maram for example, get the book or you get it online, you will not get this part in it. Then this part will not be in the book, for you understand. But this is part of the original hadith. So, as we say at the end of every hadith, narrated by Bukhari or Muslim or Tirmidhi or Abu, right? If you went back to those books, you will find the complete hadith. But Ibn Hajar in this book just gave the concise version or a, just the part of the hadith that speaks about you know the issue that he's trying to address. So what happened was is a man entered the masjid and he made salah. Right, and after the salah, he came to the Prophet Sallallahu and he greeted him. And the Prophet Sallallahu was watching him make salah. And the Prophet returned the greeting and he said to him, Go back and pray, go back and make salah again because you have not made salah. You have not made salah. And so the man went back. Meaning, so the Prophet saw something that was incorrect. That nullified his Salah. He's finished the Salah. But the Prophet said to him, it's as if you have not prayed. Meaning, the Salah that you prayed is not acceptable. You need to go back and repeat the prayer. Are you with me? The man went back and he made Salah the second time. He came back to the Prophet, greeted him again. The Prophet returned the greeting and he said to him, Go back and pray because you have not prayed. The man went back the third time, made salah, came back to the Prophet greeted him. The Prophet greeted him back and said to him, Go back and pray because you have not prayed. And the man then said, He took an oath by Allah. He said, by the one who sent you with the truth. By the one who sent you, the truth I cannot do any better than that that's the best that's what I know this was a sahabi was making salah in a way that's unacceptable he said that's the best I can do so teach me he said to the Prophet so teach me and he says the man didn't say wallahi you are Rasulullah he said By the one who sent you with the truth. As if to say, you've come with the truth. And whatever you can give me, I'm going to accept it. Because you are the man who came with the truth. You understand? As if to say, look, I've tried my best. I've done my best. You are the one that has been sent with the truth. O Muhammad So teach me and I'm willing to accept whatever it is. This was a subtle thing that he said to him. Instead of saying, by Allah. He said, by the one who sent you with the truth um he said فعلمني, so teach me and then he said to him this is where the hadith that ibn haja brings it it starts here that background story or that part of the hadith is not included in al maram but it's part of the original hadith understand so we mentioned it because there is benefit in it there is now we have a context of what's being said we have a, a context of what is being said to this man right and also if you look at the wording of the hadith it says when you stand for salah now if you just read Maram, if i read to this if i read this to you and i said abu huraira narrates that the prophet wasalam, says if you stand for salah you should perfect your udu who is the Prophet wasalam, talking to it seems like he's talking to abu huraira abu huraira narrating but the prophet's actually speaking to to that man not to Abu Abu Ray, just narrating the incident. But the Prophet was talking to the man, when you stand for salah, fa wudu, And that's why leaving out the part, a reader might get confused if he doesn't know the entire hadith. Anyways, idha qumta when you stand. يعني you're about to make salah. Ila salati fa' wudu. What does this word mean? Asbir wudu means complete your wudu and perfect your wudu. As best as you can. Now, we've spoken about the best way to perform wudu and how to pray wudu, how to make wudu according to the Sunnah of the Prophet. We've done all that, Alhamdulillah, in al Tahara. So, there's no need to obviously go into any of that. Fa'asbihil wudu, perfect your wudu. Thumm, al qibla. Then you should face the qibla. Now, the Prophet he didn't mention all of the shurut of salah to the man. Again, we've been through the shurut of salah. There's a number of them, seven or nine of them, depending on how you count them. Right? He only mentioned two shurut here, and that is the Qibla and. No, nope, he didn't mention Nia. He mentioned. Wudu. He mentioned Wudu and the Qibla. He didn't mention the others because he was watching the man, and mean the man might probably. Well, uh, it means that the man had fulfilled the rest, like the Aurah, like praying in the time of the Salah, and so forth. So his, the rest of the shuruut must have been fulfilled. But he just mentioned these two. Why would he mention these two? <coughs> because there is a possibility that if he doesn't know how to perfect the salah, there might be a problem with his wudu, like you find today. Many Muslims don't know how to make salah properly. And likewise, many Muslims don't know how to make wudu properly. And if you were to watch, go to the wudu khana and look. And you will see. People don't wash their arm properly, or their face properly, or their foot properly. And this is something that's known. Right? So perhaps this man might have had the same issue. So he reminds him, complete the wudu. Perfect the wudu. As to the qibla, then maybe again, the man might be confused. And he's only facing the qibla now because he's in the masjid. Possibility, Allah knows best. But you need to know that you must always face the qibla. Fakabbir then you must make takbir you must say allahu akbar okay then say the takbir what's the takbir referred to as what do we call this takbir the first takbir takbiratul ihram right takbiratul ihram just like you have ihram that you wear hajj you Umrah, know, same word, Ihram. Understand? Takbiratul Ihram. The opening takbir. And some ulama said, it's called this because as you, when you've when you, when you you done the Ihram and you go into the state of Ihram, you go into a sanctuary of Makkah and the Haram, which is a sanctuary. Right? And you're in a certain ritual state likewise when you say the takbiratul ihram you go into the sanctuary of salah in a ritual state where you are now addressing allah you we spoke about this hadith before where you are speaking to allah you are addressing allah like a private discussion between you and allah that's a sanctuary that's something special so this is this is why some ulama say it's called the takbiratul ihram you go into a different state of Yani, like you, like you enter a certain special place, a sanctuary, understand and Allah knows best <coughs> then you need to recite that which is easy for you or that, which, or that which that which is possible for you or that whatever you know of the Quran right now the hadith here doesn't mention the istiftah, not the, not the Fatiha. Istiftah means the opening supplication. The opening supplication. The Prophet didn't mention it in this hadith. Right? Because he's giving the man a general way of making salah. Not every specific issue because it will become too much for him at that specific point. Right? But of course we know there are many ahadith to come. Where these things will be brought up and mentioned. Right? Istiftah and different du'as like Allah Akbar Kabira, Alhamdulillah Kathira, Subhanallah Bukhara Tawaseela, like Inni Wajah to Wajahiyah, Liladi Fatra Samatu and Ati Hanifan, Ila akhiri He, right? To the end of that dhikr. And others. Right? There are others as well Um, that's part of the du'a of Istiftah. So, either the didn't want to overburden him at that point, or it's not actually a Fard to say the istiftah. It's a sunnah, right? It's a sunnah, but not a. It's not wajib upon him. Allah Adam probably because it was too much to mention in in one go to the man. He he's giving him the the general overview of how to make salah. Um, but definitely the istiftah is a. It's a sunnah which we should we should say in every salah. We should recite it in the salah because you get short easy ones. So there shouldn't be any reason to leave them out. But we're gonna get there, inshallah, in due time. So he said to him, recite whatever you can of the Quran. Meaning whatever you know out of your head, whatever you have memorized of the Quran, recite the Quran. Whatever is easy for you, but you need to recite a portion of the of the Quran. Right? And again, no mention is made of Suratul. Fatiha. No mention of in this hadith is made of or mentioned no mention of Surah Al-Fatiha is made in this in this hadith. But we now again from other hadith that Surah al-Fatiha must be recited. And we again we'll get there as we get there, right? Um But to this man he said, recite whatever you are able to of the Quran. And the Quran Ibn Uthayman says is the Kalam of Allah. The Quran is it is the speech of Allah. It is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He spoke in reality, truly, He spoke these words. Right? So the Quran is not a recount of what Allah said. It's not a rewording based on what Allah said. It's not an expression based on what Allah said. The Qur'an is Kalamullah. It is the speech of Allah in and of itself. As Allah spoke that words, He said those words, and that is the Qur'an. Understand? It's the true words and speech of Allah Azza wa Jal. And it's uncreated. The Qur'an is not a creation of Allah. It's the speech of Allah. It's part of Allah's attributes. His speech is an attribute of Allah. Understand? So it cannot be something that is created. He said these words and he relayed to Jibreel, السلام, who relayed these words to the heart of the Prophet. ﷺ, and who obviously then decided it to the Ummah. And this is one of the, the many miracles and where we see the great virtue of the Quran that it is the best of speech wa khayrul hadith hadithi kalamullah right the best of speech is the speech of allah hadith ahsanul kalam the best of speech the most fluent and the most truthful of speech and the most just of speech and also the most eloquent of speech Is the Kalam of Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is why we say it's a fard. That in every salah, as you are addressing Allah Azza wa Jal, that you have to recite a portion of the Quran. And why you have to recite Ummul Quran. What is Ummul Quran? The mother of the book, which is? What is the mother of the book? Which surah is the mother of the book? Surah Fatiha is Ummul Qur'an. It's known as the mother of the Qur'an or the mother of the book. Meaning why? Why, why is it? Because it covers the, the, the general meanings of the Qur'an within it. The important meanings of the Qur'an within it is mentioned in, in, in the Fatiha. And it is the Sab'ul Mathani. It is the Sab'ul Mathani. As Allah says, وَلَقَدْ min al مِنَ الْمَثَانِي وَالْقُرْآنَ الْعَظِيمِ Allah says indeed i have given you seven of the oft repeated seven of the oft repeated meaning those seven oft repeated verses which is suratul fatiha wal qur'an al azim and the glorious and the great qur'an right and this of course is included in the fatiha but allah mentioned it on its own as well to show the virtue of the of this great surah so we have to recite something of the Quran. That's what the hadith says. And then, summarka. Then you must bow. Make Ruku' Ruku' means to bow. right? Which means, The bending of the back. What is Ruku'? It's when you bend your back as a glorification for the one that you are bowing towards. For the one that you are bowing for. That's what ruku means. When you bend your back, you, you... It's a type of respect. It's a type of... Um, can I say humiliation or lowering yourself for something that you are glorifying. And ruku' should not be done for anyone but Allah Azza wa Jal. La tasjudu للشمس wa la lilqamari. Wasjudu lillah. So, Allah says, don't prostrate to the sun or the moon. Rather, you should prostrate to who? Lillah. For the sake of Allah. That's what the Quran mentions. And these are acts of worship. Ruku' is an act of worship. And that's why some ulama even said when you do, for example, sports like karate. What's the, the ada, The norm is that before you fight to before you compete with each other, you bow to one another, right? Many scholars say this is not permissible. This is something that is not permissible to do, even though it's a slight bow, right? You can rather do a fist pump or do a hand wave or shake hands. But we don't bow to anyone but Allah Azzawajal. So the hadith is and then you should bow. حَتَّى تَطْمَئِنَّ رَاكِعًا Until you are تَطْمَئِنَّ Until your ruku' experiences what we call تمئنين. What is تُمَئْنِينَة? Important terms to know. What is تُمَئْنِينَة? Anybody else? What is tumanina? Ya Allah. Tumanina. Masdawad, surely. And this is why, by the way, why the Prophet told this man to go back and pray. Because there was no tumanina. A pause. Mumtaz. Tumanina means a, a pause. mim, Hamza, Ali for the Hamza on top. Nina, noon, ya, noon, Tamarbuta. Tu ma nina, tu ma It means a pause. It means that calmness, steadiness, and firmness. Calmness, steadiness, or firmness. Let's my Nina. So how are sleeping? Which means I need a new. uh Are you ready, Uncle I need someone to demonstrate for me.
1: Oh, um, yes, sir. I'm, I'm just
0: going to you Must I do it myself? <laughs> I can do it. How else I can do it? <laughs> I'll do it. I'm going to do this is important right and it's going to probably save me some time what do we mean by a pause a stop right so so if this is the record, right there has to be a part in the ruku' where i'm completely still right so if i went and i did this subhana rabbi and i come up that's not ruku' so that would be unacceptable so if i did this subhana rabbi al-azim there was no moment where i'm completely still so that ruku' is unacceptable okay that ruku' is unacceptable and this is why the Prophet told this man, go back and repeat the salah. Because he was not praying with, with mm-hmm. Tuma'nina. Understand? Okay. Then the hadith says, Tum marfa Then stand up. So from the Ruku' you need to come back up. Hatta Until you are standing upright. Until you are standing straight up upright. Now there's another narration which says حَتَّى تطمئنة تطمئنة. instead of تَعْتَدِلَى تَطْمَئِنَّ so تَعْتَدِلَى means you are standing upright inna means you are standing with tuma'nina you are standing with stillness and I think this is the part of the Salah that a lot of people get wrong a lot of people when they make salah this is the part where they make where they have no tumanina okay an example would be you in the rukoo subhana rabbiyal azim subhana rabbiyal azim you come up subhana allah al hamida rabbana walakal hamd right because rabbana walakal hamd is very short what happens is it becomes a rabbana hamd and you there's no tumanina and again if you watch people you will see this mistake very very common very common so what's required is that you come up and you're standing dead still right then you can move then you can move but the moment you are not standing still that standing period is invalid there's no over there Understand? <laughs> طيب ثم مسجد After that you're going to make sajda. Right? the Prophet then said Then you go down into prostration sajda, Which is as we know You go right down onto the floor You put your head and everything onto the ground We're going to explain A bit more detail on that again حتى inna sajidan Until you are in a state of nina When you are in Sujood, you have to be in There must be that stillness in the sujood understand. It's not just putting your head on the ground coming up Not sufficient. You have to be still (laughs) When you come up from the sujood, you're going to sit You have to be in Tuma'nina over there as well Understand this, so it's not just about coming up and back into sujood. You have to come up sit still Rabbi ghfirli, and then you go down. Then you can move. Are you with me? <laughs> uh, again, then you make sujood. Whilst you have to be in a state of tumanina. Right? Then you do this in all of your salahs, or the rest of your salah. The way that we just described this now, this is how it must be done. In every rak'ah and in every salah, second rak'ah, third rak'ah, fourth rak'ah, exactly like this, it has to be done with tuma'nina in every position. Understand? The moment there's no tuma'nina in any position, what's the ruling on that salah? Invalid. It's invalid. It's invalid, which means that salah is to be repeated, as the Prophet said to this man. Go back and, rep- and pray again because you have not prayed You understand? So it's something of utmost importance and when you see people making this mistake their salah is not accepted in that state You Understand so they should actually be told Look you, I, I noticed something you came up and you went down very quickly That standing position there Rabbana you need to stand still a bit longer You need to be still a bit longer. This hadith was narrated by the seven, seven Imams. Who are the seven? The seven will be the six plus? The seven will be Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, At-Tirmidhi, An-Nasa'i, Ibn Majah, and the seventh will be Imam Ahmad. Imam Ahmad. Shah only lived uh, now the other day. Now he passed away very recently 20 years ago uh-huh.
1: you you
0: no, 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 no 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 this book was compiled in the seventh century uh, okay. 700 years before the life of Ali. okay the seven Imams are the six famous Imams plus Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal right then Ibn Hajar says that Ibn Majah narrates a hadith in his book which is authentic according to the chain of narration by Muslim حَتَّى تَطْمَئِنَّ قَائِمًا Which is what we said, right? We explained this already. That when you come up from the rukur and you are standing, it's not just about standing upright. It's also with right? رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ When you say it, you have to be upright and and have tuma'nina. That firm, pose， steadiness must be there. Right? It mustn't just be uh, standing up straight. So the Sheikh says that, La niya qiyam Bada ruku'. Both narrations. One says upright, one says with the pause. Yani, what do we get from this narration? Is that when you come up from the ruku', you have to stand with tuma'nina. Right? And the Sheikh says that unfortunately we see many musallees today. This is lost from them. This rukun of the salah is invalidated by them because they have no tuma'nina. Right? So he says, we find people, they come up from the ruku' and it's quick. Rabbana alaqa and they're saying it as they're going down. You know, they're saying the Rabbana al as they are going down into the sujood. You understand? So this is unfortunate because this can invalidate your salah. Allah um, al And this is why the person said to the man, go back and pray for you have not prayed. Right, the similar thing was mentioned in another hadith of Rifa'ah ibn Rafi' from Ahmad, from Ibn Hibban, We explain that. Then there's another narration in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, where the Prophet said, "Faakim It says, Straighten your back until the bones in your spine return to their places. This again refers to which part coming up from the ruku. When you come up, you must straighten your spine. The Prophet says, "What? Straighten your sp- your spine until all of the bones go back to their place." Understand? So he's emphasizing. the a hadith. He's emphasizing this point: when you come up, you have to be standing up straight, and you have to be at ease, at rest, steady, and calm until okay. the bones go. Back to their
1: place. Stand the
0: spot, is standing is found in the Standing is yes. Standing is found in the found solar. In the standing is a found in the found solar. Okay, unless you can't stand, you have a back injury, you're old, you're weak, you're sickly, you have to sit. And that's different, right? But for a person who can stand, they must stand in the in the solar. Now Ibn Al goes into the some of the explanations, and we're going to go through the benefits of the Hadith. He brings up an issue, which is an issue where the Ulama differ, right? And that issue is on this Hadith of the bones going back to its place, on this Hadith, on the bones settling down and going, everything goes back to its place, right? You see that some Ulama. They said, "When you come up from the ruku', when you come up from the ruku', where does your hands go?" Yeah. So the known, what do we do? We make Salah like this, right? Right hand over the left hand. Then we go into ruku', we come up, Subhanallah, and now the question is, where do we put our hands? Do we put our hands here? Let them lay, let them hang. Would we put them back here? Understand? So this is the, the discussion. So some ulama said, it goes back to where it was. And some said, no, it must go back to the bones must settle. You know, which means it must, you leave it, let it hang. It doesn't go back onto, the, onto your stomach or onto your chest. Understand? <laughs> so these two opinions on this view, some say it goes back and some say it doesn't. You understand these type of issues there is no specific text to say it must go back or that it must hang You understand and that's why the ulama constantly differ over such issues it's a matter of ijtihad a matter of how they understand various things you understand so for example you check the book of sheik Albani, he will say in his book the hadith doesn't say put the hands back on the chest or back on the hand, or back on the stomach as you said so, therefore, the hands must be left on the sides. So, you have an over here. He says that in Sada, the hands must be always on the chest as long as you are standing. Understand? So, he says that's before the ruku or after the ruku It doesn't matter. And so, you find he is firm on the view that it must be placed back on the chest, right hand over the left. Understand? Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal said, a person can choose, a person has a choice, you can put it, or you don't have to put it. You can decide to put it there, or you don't have to put it there. Understand? And like I said, various ulama you will find different opinions. Some say put it back, some say don't. I would say, if you are leading the salah, then you decide. You, if you feel you want to put your hands back there, no issues. If you feel you don't want to put your hands back there, there's no issues on that, as, on that either, right? If you are following an Imam and the Imam puts his hands on his chest, you should put your hands on your chest. If you are aware that the Imam is doing it, if you're standing next to him, you're standing behind him, and you can see, and you, you know, you could see it at times if where his hands are. If you know if he's doing it, follow the Imam. Put your hands on the side if he puts his hands on the, on the side. If he puts his hands back on his chest you put your hands back on your chest and allah knows best but at the end of the day these type of issues is always going to be the argument back and forth back and forth over which one is correct understand and we all of wrote books on this debating with each other over which view is stronger right so some ulama said to put your hands back on the chest is more khushu in that than letting the hands hang on the side you know, and so forth. Allah alam. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, if you feel that's more khushu, then do it. If We feel it's Allah alam. It's difficult, to go deep into and to to discuss at this level. Allah <laughs> alam. Taib. Benefits of the hadith. The first benefit the sheikh is says is how the Prophet sallallahu how he looked over his sahaba that he watched the man making salah right until the end understand he didn't just let them go by he watched him and then he uh dealt with him appropriately also the importance of the, sala- the salaam and how you can repeat the salaam see what happened in this incident he came to the person greeted him greeted him back then told him to go pray he went to make salah again he came back and he greeted him a second time and the third time the same thing happened And we find some hadith where the Sahaba would be walking and they would walk around something. You know, the one would go to the right, the other go to the left. When they met up again, they would greet each other again. That's how they were with the the greeting. So whenever they split or differed, they would come back and they would greet once again. That's how the Sahaba were. Um, Also, it's a fault to return the salam. Every time the man greeted, the Prophet had to return the greeting. So whenever you are greeted... The general rule is it's fault to return the salam. Unless you are preoccupied with something. Uh, like for example, if I'm teaching and somebody comes in and his kids say salam, it's not fault upon me to return the salam. Because I'm busy with something that's important. Right? And That might disturb me completely and put me off my train of thought. The same with the person the Quran and so forth. In the sada. But the gen- other than that, yani, other times you should return the greeting. Um, another benefit the Sheikh mentions is at times it's okay to witness something that's incorrect. Like in the case of the Prophet, he watched the man doing something incorrect, but with the intention of rectifying it afterwards, when he felt the time was right. So much so he let the man make it three times to see will he rectify it himself? Will he, you know, until the third time, and eventually he went to him to say, look. It's not uh, this is the problem so at times you know if you see something wrong and you want to rectify the wrong you can actually delay your rectification to a time that is appropriate are you with me on this sometimes somebody does something haram and you need to stop him or you need to tell him look what you are doing is uh, incorrect it's a bid'ah. it's something haram and that moment might not be the right time to do it because it might cause more harm might cause a fitna it might cause that person to become upset or angry so you wait this is also permissible and Allah knows best another benefit every time mentions is whoever misses out something that is wajib out of ignorance then he does not have to repeat that action so for example this man here this is how he always made salah he didn't know about Tuma'nina. Right? But he was obviously ignorant about it. Understand? So when he now learned about it, the Prophet ﷺ didn't tell him to go and repeat all of his salah that he was making incorrectly. he was Because he didn't know. He was ignorant about it. So Even though those are maybe wajibat that he made incorrectly, he was not told to repeat those salah because he was ignorant about it. But in this case, he was told to repeat it. Why? Because he's still within the time of the salah. He's still within that time of that salah. So you can repeat the salah. Understand? But the salah that's gone, you know, that you didn't know, you made a mistake. Those salawat, you don't have to repeat. Understand? This salah here, yeah, you're in the waqt. Go repeat the salah because you are able to repeat the salah. And Allah knows best. Um, the next benefit that the Sheikh mentions is that it is wajib to do takbiratul ihram, which is the first takbir. Right? That takbir is farḍ. No, no difference of opinion over that. Without that takbir, you cannot start the salah. Huh? Takbiratul yeah. is so, when you
1: start here When you start. I don't understand.
0: I don't understand. What do you mean by that? Yeah? Niyat. Niyat.
1: Niyat. Niyat Right, the niyat is in the heart, right?
0: In the heart. Okay. But my confusion is, niyat is in the heart, but it's also in the mind. Not that you
1: say something, but it's still in your mind.
0: Is that wrong? No, nothing wrong with that.
1: Because somebody pointed out to me
0: it's wrong. It's wrong. How is it wrong?
1: I don't know, you said must be in the heart when go to make work. it's in the heart of it to make
0: work. Correct. But you think about it. There's no harm in thinking about it. There's no harm in thinking about anything. You understand? If a thought goes through your mind, you won't be punished for it. Even it's if it's a, a sinful thought.
1: So it's not innovation.
0: Look, I'm not, it, it, no, I'm not, it we're not saying it, that you stand time, there no, and you... Sometimes the
1: idea goes through my heart because it's so in me. Forty years, forty-eight years of your life, you've done me up. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know, um, um, for a few years, um, it. intention. Yeah. You know, by saying it now, so you're getting it out of your system, but sometimes just crosses your mind to you, you mean a
0: certain stuff. Look, if you, if your meaning, you, when mean, you, you say it, and you're thinking in your mind, ah, way to usali far to saratudur. Yeah. not thing like but
1: it's just, you know what it is, it's like.
0: what's going into your mind?
1: Just like, I mean it just goes to the. I'm um, thinking like, sometimes I said, oh, I'm going to make the word. I say Allah would, but I said, I am not
0: suddenly. Did you make I thought of Asr? Did you break your salah and say, oh no. No, man. You must thought of Asr. That's not a niya, man. That's not a niya. What's a niya? You come to the masjid for Maghrib. You standing for Maghrib. Your intention is Maghrib, if you thought about Asr at that moment, it's going to, it does not mean that you all of a sudden intended to make Asr. So you
1: don't say just uh, break rock No, rock you rock carry rock.
0: on. That would yeah. be a waswasa. That's Shaitan time to distract you from the Salah, you understand? He's trying to distract you. Your Niyya is what? Yeah. It's maghrib. Yeah. We're going to make Isha later, inshallah. When we stand there, what's our intention?
1: Maghrib. Isha. Oh, isha it's yeah.
0: not Maghrib, it's Isha. Yeah, yes. It can't be Maghrib, we've done Maghrib. <laughs> You understand? Yes. You're going to make the two rakat sunnah after that. What's your intention? It can't be the two for fajr. You know, yeah. it's known. Why am I making the sada? Because it's a sunnah to make sada after Isha, two raka'at. That's why I'm making sada. There's no need for me to say or to think two raka'at after Isha. Thinking, thinking, it, no. The the fact you're standing there, that's your intention done. You understand? The same with fasting. Why do you wake up an hour before fajr, half uh, an hour before fajr? Why are you making food? Why are you making cereal? Or why are you eating and drinking? Too fast! You don't need to tell yourself, I'm going to fast, or think, I'm going to fast now. You've taken the steps, you are busy with the action. It's in the heart, it's there, you know? There's no need to, if it flashes through your mind, no harm in that. There's no harm in that, there's no. don't have to worry about it, understand? Flash through your mind, khalas, you carry on, you know? Shaitan is trying to disturb you. Carry on, it doesn't. Don't think that, oh, it's an innovation now, and that's what he's trying to do to you. So that now in the salah, you're thinking, did I do a bid'ah now? Maybe I must repeat the salah. I thought of Asr, am I in Asr? i Shaitan Carry on. Don't pay attention to the waswasa, to the doubts, to this, to that. Carry on. Your intention was maghrib, you carry on with the maghrib. Right? It's important to learn to expel doubts and waswasa. Don't let it overtake your mind. That's the whole aim of the game, for him to overtake your mind. Taib, haram is the first takbirah. As you start the salah, you raise your hand, and you say Allahu Akbar, that's al-haram. Right, the niyyah is in the heart. it has nothing to do with the al-haram. The niyyah is there already, as you're going to the masjid, as you're putting the musallis there, right? You're putting the sajada down. That's the niyyah is all there already. You understand, you took wudu for the salah, That's part of the niyyah. It's proof that you are intending to make salah. The takbiratul ihram is fard. And that's how we start the salah. You cannot start the salah without takbiratul ihram. You can't just stand there and start Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Doesn't work. You are not in salah until you say Allahu Akbar. That's the takbiratul ihram. And it has to be Allahu Akbar. You can't say Allahu A'zam, Allahu Akram, Allahu Ajal. No, it has to be Allahu akbar, understand? Um, and you have to be standing when you do that. You have to be standing unless you are in a wheelchair or you can't stand up, different case. But you have to be standing when you say Allahu akbar. You can't be getting up and saying Allahu akbar and as you standing up now you, are, you decide the Fatiha. You have to be standing still and then you say what? Allahu Akbar. And you raise the hands, of course. And it must be a what do you mean, a pose? As you're standing
1: up? What I mean, like, so you can't just, um, as you walk,
0: say um, to your As you're walking, you say it like to uh, You say, like, you make
1: your niyat and stop and you not say
0: You don't up. have to make the niyat.
1: No, I don't mean about- Cut the, the niyat issue <laughs> out. You know, the niyat
0: is there, as you're walking, it's
1: there. Right? You know, so as you step there, say Allahu Akbar. Yes. How
0: do that? You as you pose. step, you're standing still, you say Allahu Akbar.
1: So, so, a slight pause.
0: If you say a slight pause, yes. But we don't want to do it walking or do it you as you're, you're getting up. It. Stand still, Allahu Akbar, and you stand. Right? But don't do it as you are standing up. As maybe you were sitting, now it's for salah, and you stand up, and as you're getting up, you say Allahu Akbar. No. Stand up, stand still, and say Allahu Akbar. Understand that's Fard that must be done. We don't do that. You are not in Salah understand um, It's a rukan from the Arkan of Salah Takbiratul Ihram is a rukan of the Salah meaning nothing can take its place It's one of the pillars of the Salah Right the rest of the Takbirat The rest of the Takbirat they are Sunnah and some say wajib difference of opinion right but let's go with the view that it's wajib to be on the safe side just to be on the safe side right the rest of the takbirat they are wajib okay the first takbira is a fard it's a rukun of the salah cannot be replaced with anything you understand the rest we say they are either sunnah or far according to difference of opinion right the rest yes so as you go down you say allahu akbar into rukun allahu akbar going back down those are all takbirs right they are either sunnah according to some ulama and they are far according to according to other ulama to be on the safe side always maintain the takbirat right always maintain the takbirat um then an issue comes up. If you join the salah late and the imam is in Rukur, the Imam is in he's already in Rukur. Right? He's already down, he's saying Subhan And you need to catch the first. Well, one is to catch the raka'ah you need to join him in Rukur. Now the issue is when you get to the musallah and as you're standing in the soft right? What do you need to do? You need to make takbir. Right? So the first takbir is what? Yeah. Takbiratul ihram Allahu Akbar. Now the question is, do we have to make another takbir before we go down into Rukur? Or is one takbir sufficient? Right? And this is where the scholars differ once again. This is where the scholars differ once again. Some of the ulama say, the one is Fard, the other one is not Fard. Some ulama said that the one is Fard, the takbiratul ihram, you must say to enter the Salah and you have to say takbir again to go into Rukur because it's a new Rukun it's a new Rukun now that you're going into you understand? and the one does not suffice over the other right? the first one is when you are standing to start the Salah the second one is to go, to go bow and to go into the Rukur you understand? and this is a strong opinion I believe because what's the proof that the one takes the place of the other? Some ulama say, well, it's the same act of worship, both the takbir, done at the same time, so the one suffices the other. Others reason say, no, it doesn't suffice, because the one is for one act of worship, one part of the salah which is standing, the other is for a different part of the salah which is bowing. Are you with me? Again, be on the safe side. Say it twice. Start the salah, you get to the soft, say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and you go down. What's the harm I in mean, saying it twice? Doesn't it make it difficult? Doesn't make it difficult. Say it twice if you are joining late. Say it twice is better and, and it's more on the safe side. The next issue that he brings is When do you say Allahu Akbar? When? The Takbiratul Ihram is easy. But the rest of the Takbirat When do you say Allahu Akbar? the Or when you're leading? Both have to say Allahu Akbar eh? Right? the Imam, when he says Allah Akbar, you as the follower also need to say Allahu Akbar, right? So, the question is, when do you say it? Right? So now, right, when we're going to Ruku' right, um, we can do, either do this, Allahu Akbar, and then go down, or I could do this, Allahu Akbar. Okay, oh, I can do it in the middle. Allahu Akbar. See the difference? Oh. There's a difference. Allahu Akbar. Or oh, in the middle. As I'm going down, I'm saying Allahu Akbar. Or oh, I go down and then I say Allahu Akbar. Understand?
1: Okay, so, what um, is right and what's wrong? no, what I'm asking is, my okay, question is, what I was taught is, so
0: right so we say it should be between the two or as you are going down right it should be between the two so not as you are standing you say Allahu Akbar and then you go down nor should you delay it and first going to Ruku and now you're in the Ruku and then you say Allahu Akbar that's too late you understand that's too late and the first one is too early. Are you with me? You should try and say it as you are going down or between the two. Between the standing position or between the, the rukur. Even when,
1: you, um, are when you're leading a
0: salah. Especially when you're leading the salah. So some ulama, they delay it because we don't want people to go before us. That's right. But it won't happen. If you do it as you're going down, Allahu Akbar, you can't beat me into the rukur like that. You understand? Right. To do it here is too late. You're already now in the next part of the salah. That allah Akbar is to get you there. You understand? So to do it here is too late. Into the rukur is too late. It has to be, if you started while you are still standing and you said Allahu Akbar, no problem. Right? And if you ended as you're in, ruku akbar, you're not in the Allah Akbar, there's no problem in that. As long as it is said in the transition phase. Understand? But not as you are standing, low apart, and then you go down. No, in Ruku' Allah Akbar, that's too late. So not too early and not too not too late, the takbir, right? That is how it needs to be done. And Allah knows best. <sighs> right? So Ibn al speaks about this. That some ulama say, no, we delay the takbir because we don't want people to precede us and go ahead of the imam. But as I said, if it's done properly, it won't happen. If it's done too early, it might happen. But as you are going down, it won't happen. Right? So that shouldn't um, be done. طيب, some other issues on the takbir. It has to be with this wording as we said. Allahu Akbar. Not Al-Akbarullah. Change the wording around. Doesn't work. Right? There has to be with this wording. This wording. Then, don't put a mud on the Hamza. Don't put a mud on the Hamza meaning... Allahu akbar. Instead of saying Allahu, you say Allahu. Mispronunciation that changes the meaning. The moment you put a mad on the hamza, it becomes a question. You understand? It actually becomes a question: Is Allah the greatest? No longer is Allah is the greatest. You with me? Like Allah in the Quran: Allahu khayrun amma YUSHRIKUN Allah asks the question about this, is Allah better than that which they associate with him? Allahu khayrun. Is Allah better? See the difference? So when you say in the salah, Allahu Akbar, that's incorrect. That's not a valid takbir. Also, the ba, don't pull the ba. Allahu Akbar. Bar. is not the same thing, it's a different meaning. Right, the pronunciation is important. Allah. Allahu Akbar. Right. The only leeway, I will not say leeway, but where some ulama say it's still okay is to pull the Allahu Akbar the, All that on the lambs, right. I wouldn't recommend it. Don't pull it purposefully But if it's done, it's still valid, but the others can make it invalid understand But the point here is don't elongate the takbirat. and this is another common okay, I don't call it a mistake because it is different opinion over elongation of the takbir. So, for example, if I'm going from Samyama I'm going all the way down now to sujood. So, what do I do? Allahu Akbar. understand? I pulled it all the way till I went mean down. And when I go up, I gotta say Allahu Akbar, back to sujood, Allahu akbar, and when I go right up, I say Allahu Akbar. That elongation is not necessarily sunnah. So it shouldn't be done. You understand? Shouldn't be done. Keep the Allah Akbar short and sweet. Understand? So the elongation of the, the takbir shouldn't be done according to the correct view.
1: Uh, so
0: we go straight down. When, when you say Allah Akbar short, you go straight down. It's just normal. So if i going straight down, Alhamdulillah, <laughs> <laughs> Pull it Many people pull it, Many, I, I previously used to pull it myself But I researched, I found the fatwana, I researched some of the ulama's opinions I can okay, see it's a difference of opinion, but the better view is not to do it Because there's no text, textual evidence that says you should do it So Sami Allah, Man Hamidah Rabbana All the way down I say Allahu Akbar okay, okay. Understand? Yeah. There's no need to actually pull it either okay. Some say bullets, so people know that you're going all the way up. People must make sure. al um, khushur. Next benefit of the hadith is it is fab to recite something of the Quran after the takbirah, as we said. Right? And as we said, you have to recite something of the Quran, and what is supposed to be recited is at least Surah Fatiha. The Prophet said in the hadith. لَا صَلَاةَ لِمَنْ لَمْ يَقْرَأْ بِفَاتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ There is no salah for the one who does not recite the fatihatul kitab Fatiha. There is no salah for him if he does not recite the Fatiha. Understand? So in every raqah you must recite the Fatiha. Understand this? If he is unable to recite the Fatiha, a new Muslim, somebody is has never learned the Fatiha, what does he do? He should make tahmeed, takbir, and tahleel. Right? He should make tahmeed. this, alhamdulillah, wallahu akbar, ula la ilaha illallah. That's what he should recite through that period. But if it's time for him to learn it, he must learn it. Let's say it's uh, Isha. Isha lasts until half past 11, for example. He becomes Muslim. If he can learn it in that time, he should. For he's only learned off of it. We say learn the rest of it now. So that in the next salah, you even if you delay the salah a little bit, you know you do as much of the Fatiha or learn the Fatiha before the waqt ends. Because that's how important the Fatiha is. Okay. Um, now the benefit of the Sheikh says, la Buddha مِنْ qira'ah, It has to be a recitation. Meaning what? You cannot recite in your mind. So you can't stand there and in your mind you are reciting the Fatiha. Which is easy to do, but that doesn't count. Well, that is not recitation. You have to do qira'ah. The Prophet said, read from that which is easy for you of the Quran. Read what you are able to. There's no salah for the one who does not yakra'ah, does not recite the Fatihatul Kitab. Understand? What is recitation? Recitation is when you move your mouth, your lips, your tongue. That's recitation. Without moving it, that's not recitation. That's mind, reading with your mind. That's thinking. That's not recitation. Understand? And again, that's another mistake a lot of people make. They make Salah and their lips are shut. That's it. No moving of the mouth. No, even in the soft Salahs. You know, especially in the soft Salah, obviously. People make Lord asad, and if you watch them, you'll see they don't move their lips. How do you recite if you're not moving your lips? understand that means they're thinking what they are reciting and this does not count as a recitation this does not count as a as a recitation another issue is um, does the recitation have to be heard it's a soft recitation some ulama said it must be heard like the hanbalis the correct view is it does not have to be heard as long as you are reciting with your mouth and your lips and your tongue you don't have to hear what you are reciting as long as you know what you are reciting that's sufficient right so it doesn't have to be something that is loud like some people, it also becomes like waswasa now it also affects others, disturbs others you, you recite it but softly without, it's not a loud whisper it's a soft dissertation to yourself um, in this is also a proof that the sharia is the sharia of ease the hadith recite that which is easy for you of the quran right and it's, I'm going to do too much detail on that if a person is unable to recite in Arabic Oh, does he have to recite in Arabic firstly? You have to recite in Arabic. The Quran is in Arabic. The Quran is not in English. That's a translation. it's an interpretation. It's not English. It's not Arabic. It's not Quran. <laughs> right? If he's completely unable, then we said what? Praise Allah. Glorify Allah. Say la ilaha illallah. But you don't recite something else. You understand? <laughs> um, if he's an Arab, fardh upon him to recite the Fatiha, because he must learn it. Um, another important issue is if you recite the Fatiha, and you don't recite it properly, like you switch up the letters, amta alayhim, for example, Al-Ladina an amta alayhim, right? It can become problematic, because you're changing the meanings, right? Um, any example you could maybe give, where the letters are changed around, Right? Because if you corrupt the Fatiha, you could corrupt your whole Sada'a. Basically. well, <laughs> Dholin, you can still get away with. Because it's still a dot is trying to pronounce. You understand? We're talking about changing the letters around. So dolin is just maybe a pronunciation issue. It's not a changing of the, of the letters. An'amta <laughs> and An'amta is two different things. You understand? If it's impossible for him. Like he has a speech defect. Or he um, comes from some background where it's difficult to pronounce Arabic letters. Then he's excused. Right? Like for example, a lot of people from Asia, they can't say Ha. They can't say Ha. And they can't maybe say God. So they would say, Zalim. Right? Alhamdulillah rahman rahim a Rahmanir Rahim and it's extremely difficult for them to change that to Ar Rahman Rahim because it's so in to say a H sound. For them, they should try their best, but they are excused if they still have the mispronunciation. Right? Rajim is a common one. Right from subcontinent and even Egyptians, for example. billah that's why they speak. You know, I'll be like, I'm um, Also, they, they, maybe in the slang, they would say the jim as a as a gh. Like gumu'ah. Right? So, either g'a nasululullah. Because they don't say jim, they say gh. You understand? That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. Even uh, some of the Arabs, they, they say qaf as a gh. Gullahu. Gulhu Allahu Ahad. You understand? That's unacceptable. You speak like that in the street. No problem. But when you recite the Kalamullah, it's a problem. And if you recite the Fatiha and you change up letters like that, your Salah can be nullified. طيب, after the, the Fatiha, of course, or after the Qira'ah, comes the Rukur, and you have to have Ruku' uh, in the Rukur, as we explained. Right? Ruku' that is Wajib. What is Ruku' that is Wajib? Ruku' that is Wajib means that your back is bent and... You try and touch your knees as best as you can. That's that's Wajib. Meaning, at least you must do that. Try to touch your knees. Right? If you are a person that is Mu'tadilan, which means, uh, what's the word? You are, uh, how can I say? Equally built, and you can touch your knees and bend your back at the same time, then that's what you must do.
1: touch your knees,
0: that's what you must do if you are, if you are built appropriately. If you are not built appropriately, like some people, the Sheikh says, has, uh, the upper bodies may maybe longer, or the legs are longer, so for them to touch the knees is a bit difficult.
1: Touch with their hands. Yes. All
0: oh, the knees, yeah, oh, ma- What do you think the of the ankles? <laughs> make you wanna make it difficult? Taib, <laughs> the knees your hands on your knees if possible if it's impossible you have very short arms at least you must bend your back and put your hands on your thighs or something but that's the minimum when it comes to ruku that's the minimum so if i made ruku like this that would be sufficient that's the minimum that i can do right but that's not the sunnah and that's not the complete way of making ruku the complete way would be that instead of just bending my back I have to straighten my back until my head is in line with my back. So that's my back's pretty straight now. And my head is in line with my back. Am I right? So it's not hanging there. No is it hanging up. It's in line with my back. And I'm looking at the place of Sajda. Right? And also my back is straight. Right? My back is not like this. Do you see this? this is another common thing even though the students are my dresser they I they can't do this for some reason that's how uh, your back supposed to be straight as opposed to I don't know what you call this hunched right it's you need to straight learn to straighten the back and then your head needs to be in line with your back that is how the Prophet used to make it and also your hands on your knees your hands will be open not like closed shut open like that on your knees your fingers apart um on the knee that's the best way to make ruku right that's you avoid back pain and you avoid a lot of issues with your back your lower back if you make ruku like that the moment you hunt your back and you, you do you know with your back skew and this and that then you get back problems if the person is in, is unable to make ruku like your back is sore or so for you, you really can't bend you should bend as much as you can without enduring any pain and you should try and lower your head to t- kind of gesture with your head that you are making ruku, right if a person is Ahdab Ahdab means his hunchback so he walks like this you understand it's like he's always in the ruku, right that's a, Ahdab if he's that type of person then it is, it's the knee is in his heart because he can't stand up straight you understand so he's always in the ruku. you get people like that with back problems I know a sheikh I don't know if you know the sheikh I'm talking about local sheikh who he's always like this because he's got a problem right he's got a problem in his back and, and so forth so for him he's not coming up from the Rukur so if maybe he could go a bit further down perhaps if not the Niyah is there when he says Allahu Akbar he might not move physically but by his Niyah he's in Rukur understand and he will say the Adhkar of Rukur and so forth <laughs> Anina um, is fault and wajib as we said To what extent? To what extent? How long must the pause be? Just enough Enough for? Just a pause Right? And that's where the two opinions come in The two opinions is It must just be a pause Right? The other opinion is That it must be a pause Long enough for you to recite What is wajib to recite Understand this. You have to pause long enough for you to recite what is wajib to recite. And that's the, the stronger view. Okay. That's the okay. stronger view. For
1: example, say, the pause we're talking about. Because, say, for example, you're going to um, 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 sujood. So you're going to make the act time. Uh, and then go to stay state of pause and then
0: come up. I will show you. I'll demonstrate for you. So, Allahu Akbar. I'm in ruku. I must be in this position long enough for me to say Subhana Rabbi Al Azim. Did Subhana Rabbi Al Azim? Sami Man Hamidah, Rabbana Rabana, walaikum hamd Allahu Akbar. So the
1: pause is not
0: after Subhana Rabbi Al Azim. No, the pause is as you come up. Sami Man Hamidah, I'm now standing.
1: Yeah, that's a pause.
0: That's my pause. That's when the pause starts. Yeah, okay. How long must the pause be? The pause must be long enough for me to say what is fard to say. So I come up, samiyyallahu alaihi wasallam, wa hamd. That's fard.
1: Okay. So Beyond that, the, that is not fard. So the pause is not after that. That is what. That's how I understood it.
0: now No, 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 no. After that's got nothing to do with The okay. pause is to do what is fard. Oh, okay. So that's why I said if you come up, samiyyallahu alaihi wasallam, Rabbana wa laka alhamd. Uh, okay, That's not a pause because you didn't give yourself that period of, of calmness, steadiness, to say what is far to say. Understand? So if you didn't do that, then you haven't fulfilled the rukun the way it's supposed to be fulfilled. Understand? So, Now I can move. No, there's no pause after that. There's no pause That's after, after that. The same with the sujood. In sujood I say, subhana rabbiyal a'la, that's fard. After that, I can move. And then, then I sit and I say, rabbi li, then I can move. Because that's the minimum that I have to say. Understand? So that must, the pause must be that long at least. That in every position, I can decide what is fard without moving. After that, if I move, then that's fine. Because I've fulfilled what is required of me. I understand, next benefit, wujub al-raf'a min al-ruku' You have to stand up from the ruku' And the niyah must be to stand up That's part of the salah, that's standing up, coming up from the ruku' Samya Allah, that's standing up, that's worship, that must be fulfilled So even if you stood up by accident or someone shouted and you stood up That doesn't count You got to go back into ruku' and come up properly and stand still I Understand? Um, because that standing is also the Prophet said, stand up from the ruku. That's part of the salah. that's part of the the worship. Um, as you stand up, as we said, you have to stand up straight. Have to Say what is fard, and then you can, then you can go. Right. The next benefit is also fard to have the sujood after, after rafah uh, min al ruku. wa fi? Right. You have to also have the the in the sajda, in the Sajdah, in the sajda, what is Fard? We spoke about the Ruku, what's needed, what's best, right? In the Sajdah, what is the minimum? I'm not going to go into what's best now, we'll leave that for another time, those ahadith will come. What is minimum for the Sajdah? The Prophet said that we were instructed to make sajda upon seven parts of the body. Seven parts of the body has to be on the ground. The forehead, the forehead, forehead, nose, hands, feet, feet. Toes. Thank you. toes, is feet, toes, so, is feet. And the,
1: and that's
0: all. Missed one. Forehead, Your knees. And knees. Your knees. Right. So it's two, four, six, and this is the seven. These two. Right all seven has to be on the ground all seven has to be on the ground that's a correct sajda that's a, the minimum that you have to do for sajda some people again i saw this the other day a guy making sajda and his nose is not on the ground so now if you lean forward and your on your, you roll your forehead and you lean forward and your nose doesn't touch it's not acceptable that sajda is not acceptable you know and it's 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 ajeeb because it's like this guy is 40 odd years old you see him all the time and then you see makes make salaw, and then you think, but you can't make Sajdah. You know, like SubhanAllah, you... People have opinions on other things, but you don't know how to make Sujood. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue. So, this is how it must be done. You put your honorable forehead and your beautiful nose on the ground. For Allah Azza wa Jal, as we said, spoke about yesterday, you belittle yourself in front of Allah. This is worship. It is submission and surrendering yourself to Allah Azza wa Jal, who is the most high. And that's the closest that you can get to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. To raise any part of those seven can nullify the surah and invalidate that that sujood rather. Right? So to lift up your hand unnecessarily or your foot unnecessarily in the sujood can invalidate that sajdah. Understand? Can invalidate that sajdah. Then even if I mean goes into another issue which is when you go into the sajdah, does do you put your hands or your feet or your knees first basically your hands or your knees first that's the question again difference of opinion some ulama say it must be the knees some ulama say it must be the hands like, Ibn they argues that it must be the knees other ulamas say it must be the hands and I personally lean towards the view that it should be the hands because there's another, a number of narrations on that so, how does that how is that done? <coughs> Can you do it? <coughs> some people can't do it some easier. easier, okay. The one hadith he says, When one of you prostrates, he should not go down or kneel the way that the camel kneels, right? So, some said, Well, that means you must go down hands first because a camel goes down by his back legs his knees right and that's the one hadith there are other narrations as well even if i mean even on that narration he says doesn't accept it and he says no that doesn't mean that's what it's meant by it it means how the camel goes down and so forth well I, I still lean towards the hadith or the narration there. Eh? hands first hands first so what does that mean that means when you go down, let me see Let if you're doing it properly. I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I go on my knees. That's knees first? Okay. Yeah, there we go. Right? So the best I would say is put your hands first. So as you're going down, you're going down like this basically. Right? So you can kind of uh, almost like sliding your hands in. Mm-hmm. As opposed to going down kneeling first. Because that would be similar to the, to the camel according to that narration. Um, so best to avoid that prohibition. So a prohibition. Don't make sajda the way the, sa- the camel goes down. So to avoid the prohibition, use your hands. And Allah knows best. And again, I think these issues will come up later on when we deal with them. In, in, this is like a overall hadith that gives us an overview. InshaAllah we get there again. Um, we are nearly done. Ar-raf حَتَّى تَطْمَئِنَّ جَالِسًّا Right? When you come up, you're sitting, you have to have رَبِّي غْفِرْ لِي At least once is fadl. So to sit still when you say رَبِّي غْفِرْ You have to be dead still before you go down. Um, yes? There's yeah, no problem. Won't we'll nullify the, we'll hamper the saline anyway. If it's difficult to use the hands first, do the knees first. No problem,
1: Amy? Sure. So for mommy's age, mommy's, most, mommy, so mommy's outmost, no? like for the Say so for the audrey is easier with the knees. Then do the knees
0: first. Then they do the knees first. Okay, then the issue is of sitting between the two sajdas. Again, I don't think I'm going to go into too much detail, but we all know the sunnah way to sit is muftarishan, which means you sit on your left foot with your right foot propped up. Okay, with that, I don't think I need to demonstrate. And in the last tashahud, you sit tawarrukan, which means you sit with your left, with your backside on the floor, and your left leg comes out on the right hand side there. Then you force yourself to do it. I'm joking. If you can't do it, then you can't do it, right? It was difficult. There's there's another way to do it. It's a bit easier, right? Is where you put both your feet out to the to the right hand side. Okay. So the first way is Muftarishan, which is when you sit like this, right? That's the that's the one way. Then to sit like this is haram. This is called, it, it, it,
1: like this, oh, okay,
0: yeah. like a fox, the hadith is like a fox, this is haram, right, yeah, people sit like that, yeah. this is uh, not permissible, to sit like this, is okay, between the two sajdas. Like It's these, also a sunnah, like this, mm-hmm. like this, yeah, between okay. the two sajdas, you can sit like this, right, but this is the, the usual, the, the best way, like this is also good, the tahiyat should be like this, the first tahiyat, normal, and the second tahiyyat, like that. So, you're sitting on the floor, this foot's upright, and this one comes underneath. Okay? If that's not possible, you can put both out to that side like this. So, instead of putting it upright, you're sitting on the ground, and you're putting both out to the side. This is for the, law, the second tahiyyat, yes. So, in Fajr, you will not do this. In Fajr or the Sunnahs, which is only two Raka'at, you will not sit like this ever, you're always going to sit like this. What In Fajr, Fajr two Raka'at, only one. Just, uh, so
1: you're sick and you Sikhan only
0: you sit like this. Only one, one. so you, do, you only sit like so, this.
1: So the sheikh said for the last Raka'at, so if there's more than two Raka'at, then you sit like that. Correct, if, if there's is only two Raka'at, then you sit like that.
0: Like a three Raka'at or four Raka'at Salah, yeah. where there's two tashahuts. The first a shahud you sit normal like this and the second one you will sit like that Or like this So in Fajr
1: you don't, you don't.
0: So in Fajr you don't do this Tawarruk is called tawarruk, You don't do this in Fajr only in the three and the four Raka'ats you do that Okay, where are we ready done The if you said any other way Right so that's still valid, right? Still, It's not far to sit like that. It's a sunnah to sit like that. And that's basically the end of that hadith. Um, As I said, that's a lengthy hadith. But it's just to give you an overview of the general basics of the Salah. As we carry on now through Sifatul Salah, which is quite long. um, There's a lot of details to come up in every position. And things to say and so forth. And Allah knows best. Um we'll see. Shall i see. But if I can find it online. We to print it out. I mean anyway, Sallallahu Wa Muhammad wa wa atubu